Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah. Running through tackles in the backfield, Sean Wilson was like roadkill. And then Zach Moss from there showing explosive speed to take it the distance. 91 yards later. Roadkill, PK. That's one defensive back on one play. Or, yeah, you can kind of take the bigger picture and say that was the whole game. 21-0 after three possessions. And then yeah. the youths roll from there. That was good because there's a bunch of other games I wanted to watch, and that wasn't one of them. <laughs> after it was... Obviously, After 21 nothing, yeah, I mean, it's a waste of time. It was a beating. Tyler Huntley, 14 of 17, actually raises his completion percentage on the air, which is hard to believe given how high it is and how far we are into the season, but he did it again anyway. And Zach Moss averaged 24, 25 yards a carry. Yeah, I think what's hard 24. to believe is this far into the season, they haven't, played a team, they haven't beaten a team with a winning record. Well, that is about to change, isn't it? At least they're going to get multiple chances here to beat teams with any records. See if they can take one of them out. ASU this week ranked 17th. The Utes up to 13th. They're both 5 and 1. Yeah, they're a 12 and a half point favorite. I saw ESPN has them like an 82.4% chance of winning. So, expected to win. See no reason why they don't. Get her done. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Front right on first and goal. He just called Touchdown, USF. He's in. And the Bulls are in front. Romney steps up. End zone. Broke it up. Incomplete. And USF wins it. Devin Stutzdale gets the PBU. And USF gets the WIN. 27-23. What a finish from Tampa tonight. Another big lead, another fourth-quarter disaster, and another loss for BYU. PK, they could either stop the run or get touchdowns winning their red zone. They'd win. They don't actually have to do both things, just one of them. These games have been close enough. Just doing one of those things better would get it done. But those are two glaring problems right now. So score more touchdowns and don't give up as many. I like it. (laughs) No. Simple math. Come on. It's not and. Or. Oh, so they, it's an or. Got they it. were in the red zone four times. That's 28 potential points, and they got six. Scored from outside the red zone. Four more awesome. touchdowns and don't give up as many. Okay, I got it. We'll wait for an update now on Jaron Hall. Looked like a concussion when his head smacked against the turf. He didn't come back into the game. And maybe we'll hear more about his available availability or potential availability. BYU's playing Boise State. Lost a quarterback of their own. Bachmeyer run in and got hit. It looked like kind of in the hip area. They had a shot of him on the sideline. And 
One minute he was up, and the next minute he was ready to take a knee in obvious pain, so he didn't come back to the game. Chase Cord. Another one of my Valley of the Sun residents. <laughs> Peoria. Ah, another guy who left the Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They played three quarterbacks in the game. Henderson was the other one? Jalen? Yeah. Like yeah, I guess he used him as kind of an option guy because he was in early before the injury and then he was in later. So. They won. They beat Hawaii. So they're going to be ranked 14th when they come in and play BYU Saturday night. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Blankenship looks, nod, says he's ready to take it to the third overtime. Kicks it up. And no good! He missed it! He missed missed it! it. And the Gamecocks win it at Athens in second overtime. Carolina takes down number three, Georgia. They win it 20 to 17. I am not believing that. A two overtime victory against the number three team in the country. We break a four game losing streak, and Georgia trots to the locker room. South Carolina in double OT. They fall from number, uh, Georgia falls from number three in the country to number 10 with that loss. A few other highly ranked teams going down. That was entertaining with LSU and Florida up and down the field. And LSU wins and vaults to number two from five. Seventh ranked Florida gets their first loss. Also, Oklahoma taking down Texas. Any of those uh, games catch your eye? Every one of them. Now come on, PK. USC beating, uh, trying to beat Notre Dame, but coming up short, getting down early. Man, it's 48 hours old. I, mean, I know, so I'm asking if you care about any of these games. Every one the of them. Games. I watched them all. I mean, I could say it again. Apparently, you didn't believe me. Yeah, I was surfing left and right. Absolutely. I was into all of them. It's that time of year. Each one of them that was on television. That's what I'm saying. Friday, uh, Saturday night, the uh, U game was out of control. There was like four or five other games I wanted to watch. Yeah, absolutely, man. From 10 o'clock on when uh, the Red River, River shootout started, Texas played them tough. Oklahoma pulled away a little bit. I was stunned Georgia lost. Figured they wouldn't lose that particular I mean, Not that every team that I expect to go undefeated, because I think that's awfully difficult, particularly when you're in conference. I've said it a million times. You start playing conference games, things happen. But I still didn't pick them to win Speaking of South Carolina, obviously, to beat Georgia. So that was a stunner. Wisconsin looked awesome again. They just destroyed Michigan Michigan State. State. LSU and Florida was highly entertaining. It's great to see SEC teams have some offense. (laughs) And why is it so hard at LSU? They've got it. Why go so long with no offense? I mean, there's just so many nights we watch so many defensive-minded games, and then just. They change their mind. They decide. It's literally like they decide they're going to be good on offense, and then they are. Well, listening to Ed Orgeron, who has one, you know, he makes Louis Armstrong sound like Mike Tyson. Go Tigers. <laughs> uh, he, he openly admitted it. You know, we've had the skilled players. We've had the receivers. had the running backs. We haven't had the quarterback. And this year we got him. And he's openly talking about that. So I was watching that, and I'm flicking back and forth. Fox has got their pregame thing going on. Urban's a star. I mean, he could go be a baker and bake cookies, and it'd be the, probably the best cookies I've ever tasted because he's really good at what he does with his television. I don't know how long if he's going to stick with it or whatnot, but they got their thing, and obviously ESPN has had theirs for, what, 30 years now? I mean, probably literally. I don't know, 25 years they've been doing it. So going back and forth between those two shows, yeah. <laughs> From 
literally, literally from 8 o'clock Saturday morning, I was into it, and I went to bed at 12.15 because I thought, okay, Washington has got this game now. Arizona's not going to come back. Surprised how resilient your Devils were? Took a couple punches during the course of that game. Were able to go down and win it right at the end. Jaden Daniels, the freshman well, quarterback. this is what they do. I mean, they, all their games are close. And you're a freshman quarterback, but what, at what point do we keep saying that? I mean, you, you, he's played six games now. When, when do we get past? I told you they could win a game in the 30s against Washington State. If they have to get a little higher than that, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, but sh- was I surprised? Mm. I mean, what was the, you told me going into it, it was a pick em game. So why would I be surprised? I mean, Washington State, uh, you know, 0-3 in conference. Not looking that good. Yeah, but the line does surprise me, Utah 12 and a half, because under Herm Edwards, they've played 12 conference games, and they haven't lost any of them by more than seven. Maybe this is the week. I thought that was going to be a six or seven point line. What were you expecting? I had it between seven and eight, so I thought in my mind, seven, five. I was surprised, 12, five. But nevertheless, that's the dominance of Utah, man. There it is. Nowhere to go but Santa Clara and Pasadena. <laughs> that's that's no, the, that's the, that's where you want to be. Everybody wants Don't run their, from it. Embrace it. Everybody wants their team to get respect, and so you're getting respect yeah. in the polls. You're getting respect. Don't in run Vegas. from it. This is like what I say with guys. You do this sometimes when I play the poor me because I didn't grow up with the advantages that you did financially. And then you start, people, when you do that, they, they start saying they they want to be. No, I struggled too, uphill both ways. Blah blah blah. Well, I'm telling you, from the guys who came from struggle, they would much rather say, yeah, I I came from affluence. <laughs> now Utah has affluence. Don't run from it. Embrace it. Dad had a Ferrari. You're 12.5-point favorites to rank 13th in the country. Don't deny it. Relish it. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. It sucks. We sit down here, we get on some bears. Week we going out here, we lose to it, but it sucks. It sucks. Uh, I don't want to hear any more about how hard is it and hard, man. At this point, man, I, I, I ain't gonna give up on my fans. I appreciate the guys that come, appreciate the guys in the community that, that come and show, show support. But you know, if you ain't there, that's that's hey, that's if you ain't there, sorry, you know, just, hey, we'll get together. What <laughs> sounds like the Dolphins are a little emotional after losing the battle of winless teams to Washington on a failed two point conversion. That was a horrible play call. Hey, let's throw the ball short of the goal line. And it's a screen, and they're screaming it's a screen. Like, the two receivers didn't block anybody. They just ran by him. It was going to be one on three if he caught the ball. We're breaking down Miami Dolphins football. Is that what we're doing right now? It's horrible. It's like the Atlantic Division. All right, let's go to the Bengals, the other winless team. Why the hell would we give a crap about what the Dolphins are doing? That was hilarious. Because you watched it. I didn't. I saw the highlight. I did not watch the whole game. He cut the highlight. Oh, you didn't night. watch the whole game? That's what passes as breaking news? The two. <laughs> I didn't watch one play. I did watch a play. I watched more than one play, but you I didn't watch the whole game. You, for the rest of the season, you don't need to tell us you did not watch the whole game with the Miami Dolphins. There are. We're going to assume that. There are several teams that were. Whew, thankfully. Rolling. Off to great starts. The Rams and Cowboys were 3 and 0. They're both now 3 and 3. And we always talk 16 games. You got time for the roller coaster. You're hot, you're cold, you're hot again. What are you, Katy Perry? Yeah, pretty much. It's the <laughs> Katy Perry NFL segment. 
Chiefs were 4-0. Now they're 4-2. You worried about any of these teams more than the others? You figure they're all going to bounce back? Circle in the Cowboys? No, I never felt the Cowboys were all that good. I mean, times I was saying, I don't think Dak Prescott is all that good. I think he's okay. I don't think he's great. He's not in the upper echelon level of quarterbacks. I've never felt that. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I never thought that to begin with. Pick a month. I never thought they were going to win it. Buying in on the on the Niners? I think you have to take that Five and seri- now. a little seriously. More serious anyway is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you beat the Rams. Absolutely. Jared Goff was awful. So, yeah. And you can, you can win a lot of games with defense. And they've got a good one. Yeah. Giving up 13 points a game here through five games. Right. Well, they're now, uh, what, three games up on the Rams in the loss column. Well, the Niners are 5-0. The Seahawks are 5-1 right there with them. The uh, Cleveland Browns going back and forth with Seahawks, but Russell Wilson seemed to have all the answers. What are the questions? Are you going to beat the Browns? Yes. That was the biggest question. Yeah. That wasn't much of a question for me. Should we uh, buy into Deshaun Watson? We were looking for uh, oh, teams for sure. yeah. earlier today about who's going to challenge the Patriots, and their defense yeah. just looks awesome. And yet, no matter how good you look now, it's the NFL. You're going to be tested. Who's going to provide that test? Well, Texans always seem to come up with injuries when we get to December. It has happened. But yeah, I think they're legitimate. Got to keep their whole line healthy. I mean, who else you got winning that division? Maybe the Colts. I mean, I wouldn't think so. Not the Titans. Titans and Jags are two and four, so yeah. Mariota's getting benched. Yep. Monday Night Football tonight: the Packers, who are off to a really good start, they're four and one, are playing the Lions, who are two one and one. I don't know what to make out of two one and one, but I guess you can figure that out tonight. You got the Packers at home. Figure Aaron Rodgers gets it done. Uh, probably. I mean, I don't really care. I enjoy watching Aaron Rodgers play. Be a fun game. Anytime he plays, I like to watch him. Gonna have baseball, football, and basketball to follow tonight, although not the basketball on TV, apparently. Let's get to that. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Jazz and the Kings. No TV for this one, but it will be on the zone. David Locke on the call. Pre-game at six, game tips at seven. Watching for anything specific tonight, I guess. Listening for anything specific tonight. Not actually going to watch it. I am. Maybe you're not. I'm going. Uh, see them play well offensively. There was a play, a couple plays really jumped out at me against New Orleans. That first half was fun to watch. I know it was only preseason, so it doesn't matter. Uh, and then the second half, they made more substitutions. The guys didn't play as much. There's two plays in that New Orleans game that really, really got me excited. You know, it's what we, uh, a fast break. In your day, Snickledorf was ending in a layup or a dunk. Now, run to the corner, shoot the three. They had one. You know, I don't remember what happened in the defensive possession, but the ball got to Conley. Conley threw it up to, uh, passed it up to uh, Bogdanovich, so he's right in front of the New Orleans bench, and he just puts it up at three. I mean, Jeff Hornacek, like quick release, but the three, and they haven't had a player be able to do that. Uh, Ingles doesn't do that. I mean, especially a taller player. Ingles, I don't think he can do it as well. And Bogdanovich just got it boomed. I mean, if you blinked, the ball was coming through the 
net. It was so sweet. And then in the same area, Conley had the ball in front of the uh, Pelicans bench. And he went baseline. And he's a left-handed player. And he went baseline. And he put the shot up, a floater right-handed. They haven't had anybody do that. Rubio could not do that. And those two plays just really jumped out at me. And there's 100 plays in, a, in an exhibition game. It doesn't matter anyway. But those two plays got me super excited for the offensive capability of this team. And, you know, we had Rick the Dishwasher last week going on about what they're going to lose without favors. And, yes, they are going to lose stuff. There's no question about that. He was right. But you have to give up something to get something. And unless Favors was willing to play for 8 or $9 million, you couldn't. You literally couldn't afford him as a backup. So you can't, have, you can't pay everybody $25, $20 million. It doesn't work that way. And so, yeah, they're going to miss him because he was a valuable player for that team. No question about it. But they needed to go in that direction. And those two plays really jumped off the page. As I have the television set, as I was watching, thinking, man, those two plays are really sweet. They haven't had that ability, and now they got it. You know, that first half, I just thought it was, we talked about the five guys when they're out there together. And you know, and you can put in Royce O'Neal or another guy, maybe have four of the five guys we've been talking about so much out there. And the ball just constantly moved. Different guys, just like we've been talking about, different guys are going to be able to initiate the pick and roll. Different guys are going to be able to make open shots. And it really, and it was preseason, so there isn't as much effort being extended usually, but it really was pretty effortless. And the defense probably would be better in the regular season and all that. And you're right about the favors thing. You get to halftime, you're like, wow, they gave up way too many points. I think it was 67-59 at the half, and it shouldn't be given up in the high 50s. And I guess we're going to have to get used to that because maybe we're going to see more of that. But they're scoring in the high 60s, so it's okay. You still got the lead. But it just never seemed like... Even when they were scoring a lot of points, it didn't seem like they were hot. It just seemed like that's what they do. They come down, they get in a pick and roll, they put them in a scramble, they move the ball around, somebody gets an open shot, and then they usually make it. And it was funny because I think I'm at the point where I'm expecting them to make every three, which is unrealistic. I missed a lot of threes. And then you look at the percentage, you're like, oh, no, the percentage is really good. I'm just focusing on the misses, not on the makes. Kings tonight and the Jazz, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. First pitch. And Correa lines it deep to right field. Judge is going back at the wall. Looking up. See you later. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros even the series at a game apiece on the walk-off home run by Carlos Correa in the bottom of the 11th. 3-2. Astros win it. With the exception of one swing... The Astros had the Yankees under control. But despite that two-run shot, they survived. They went in 11. So it's 1-1 going to Yankee Stadium. I don't think that was a two-run shot, though. I think that was the game winner. That was the walk-off game winner there, yes. But they gave up a two-run shot to the Yankees. Other than that, Springer. Other than that, they had them under control. And the Nationals playing today. Back home, up 2-0. Classic team getting in. Once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. They won the uh, wild card game. They got the upset in the first round of the playoffs. Now they're up 2 0 in the NLCS. It's all breaking their way, PK. Well, they have great starting pitching. That's what's breaking their way. They'll throw Strasburg out there tonight. See if they can go up 3 0 on the Cardinals. What is trending? 
Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. It's Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Frank Dolce, Utah Insider for the Zone Sports Network, is going to join us next. Gary Anderson at 8.30. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz are back in action tonight. They play the Sacramento Kings preseason game to Smart Home Arena, 7 o'clock. You can listen to the game on The Zone Sports Network starting at 6. Major League Baseball tonight. Washington Nationals at home, 5.30 on TBS, trying to go 3-0 on the Cardinals and the NLCS. And in the NFL, Monday Night Football tonight, Lions and Packers kicks off at 6.15 on ESPN. You can listen to it on 12.80 The Zone, while the Jazz are over on 97.5 The Zone. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Coach Lou, BYU, South Florida. Beware of the wounded team. The Knights came into the year. They thought they were going to go to another New Year's Six game. They lost to Pittsburgh. They fell apart again. And suddenly, they campaigned for a playoff spot. The whole season blew up. But now I think they're going to be rejuvenated. They're going to be ready to go. And I'm going to end up picking them to give uh, Max Hall a lot of trouble. And I think you're going to find yourself with a big win for UCF. Utah and Oregon State. I think Utah is going to win this game. People make it way too much out of Justin Herbert. Not giving Kyle Willingham enough credit. Not understanding just how good they are. You just saw them just smoke Washington the other week. Utah is going to handle them coming up there uh, in Eugene. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to talk Utah football now with Frank Dolce. He's coming to you on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you had a great weekend. Was that route everything you expected it would be, Frank? Did that make your weekend great? I, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect the route like that. It was more than I expected. Did you expect it? Not like that. Maybe PK, maybe PK expected it more than anybody else. Well, I think but. that when you're the overwhelming favorite and you put it on them to 21 to nothing like that and you score so quickly, the other team realizes they've got no chance. So the margin of victory or of defeat in this case from the Oregon State perspective, it becomes greater because essentially your will to fight has just been stolen from you. And so you get into what's the point. So once it got to 21 as easily as it did from that point on, it certainly didn't surprise me. This is one of the worst, if not the worst team, maybe between them and our good guys down in Westwood with Chip Kelly's team and the Beavers. So at that point, I think they just quit. And so that ends up with the margin being more extended. But really, in the end, what does it matter? I mean, they were a 14-point favorite, so they were supposed to win easily, and they did. So I don't necessarily get caught up in the margin because you can see where it gets away and then you just give up. It's, it's pretty much like you put in a position player to pitch. 
in the eighth <laughs> inning or something, you know, because you know you're not going to come back. So you've yeah. the manager of the team is basically given up. So that was that, and it was a nice little run for the Utes. They barely had to extend any energy. So I'm not much con- so much concerned about what I saw on Saturday. It's what is going to happen going forward because now it gets down to it. They are, I've been saying this all along, in a prime position to take care of business, and I think that they're much better off prepared for it at any time since they've been in the conference. At, at this point, Frank, I see them going forward maybe losing one game. I I think that's fair. Uh, I I thought after after USC, this is a team, if they played like they played against USC, that's a team that had four losses on the schedule. But, but the way they're playing now, uh, I, I think that it's a team that's very capable of going through the rest of their schedule without taking another loss. Right. I, I think if they can play it, perform at the level that they've performed the last couple of weeks, that that's a team that is going to be very, very difficult to beat. But we, but we just know the Pac-12 is goofy. Yeah. It's like Oregon State, Oregon State looked, you know, awful against Utah. But that's the same team that nearly beat Stanford. And then Stanford beats Washington. I mean, it's such it's it's like you never know what what's going to happen in this conference week in and, and week out. So no, maybe it's settling down a, a little bit. I agree but. with that. Yet you really don't know for sure. But that applies every which way. And what I mean by that is that the Utes can not easily lose the game, but if they do lose, still fairly easily win the South because of what you just said. Whoever, whether we'll just go the next three, uh, we'll go ASU, Cal, Washington, right? We'll take those three because they look like the toughest games remaining of the six, right? So you go those three. Well, they're still particularly, well, really it doesn't matter as much for Cal and Washington because they're not competing against them to win the South. But for the Devils, if the Devils should pull the upset, then they're still in that same boat that they can get beat by any number of teams. Mm-hmm. So it really favors Utah in the final analysis, no matter which way you look at it, winning the South. This is the most important three-game stretch, yeah. I think, for Utah in conference play. Agreed. If Utah gets through, if, if Utah's going to take a loss, I would guess it's going to happen in the next three games. Right. If Utah gets through the next three games, I think they could go yeah. through the rest of their schedule without taking a loss. The next three games are the most is the most critical stretch to me, I like the way Arizona State is playing. Uh, Cal's, Cal's a li- you know, I think they started out better. Maybe they've settled down a little bit, but Cal still brings that a defense. I think is is challenging. Their offense isn't isn't great. Um, and then Washington, I I don't know. I, I thought Washington would be more dominant. They certainly have some holes, and and maybe Eason isn't quite the guy, or maybe doesn't quite have the weapons around him. I don't know. But, but maybe Eason isn't quite the guy. Washington still is the team on Utah's schedule to beat. Utah kind of lucks out and doesn't have Oregon this year. So with all of that, the next three-game stretch is, is, to me, the most important stretch for Utah in conference play. So you're a quarterback, and you probably have had your eyes on this trying to figure out why, too. We always hear it's about the players. Tyler Huntley's completion percentage is just off the charts. 
I mean, 70% is really good, and Coach Kisson say they want to get there, but nobody ever talks about getting their quarterback to 75%, which is where he is. Do you think it's Tyler's really improved and he's figured stuff out and he's a senior? Do you think it's the offensive coordinator and the way he's being used and then Andy Ludwig's come into it? It's probably both things, but is it more of one or the other? I think the best thing that happened to Tyler Huntley is that Andy Ludwig showed up at the University of Utah. And Tyler had to had to struggle through a few years of different offensive coordinators, maybe not completely understanding the, what they were trying to accomplish on the offensive side, maybe not having the type of rhythm on the offensive side or a relationship with the play caller, or being put in situations that weren't that didn't take advantage of his skill set. Well, Andy, he, he feels like he's completely aligned with Andy Ludwig and the way that, that Coach Ludwig is managing the offense. And, and, and he said it right from the beginning, hey, this is a, you know, we're going to be based in the running game. And they are. You know, they, they go out and establish, establish a running game. And then they, they, give, they give Huntley opportunities to succeed. And then Huntley uses, utilizes his athleticism to get out of trouble, and he's taken that next step in the progression of a quarterback that he, he doesn't use his athleticism just to run around and try, and try and make a play. He uses his athleticism to buy himself extra time in the passing game, and then if he has to, as a last resort, he'll, he'll run around and, and make a play with his legs. So it's, a, it's just a really good combination of – a guy who's had to struggle at the quarterback position and try and figure it out and maybe not have as much help from from the, from the coaching as he as he needed and then having the right guy kind of land at the right time in his career and everything kind of came together I, that's what it feels like to me like everything's there's a really good understanding of what the offense wants to do and what Tyler Huntley is being asked to, to do. And all of those guys are being coached really well, and clearly they're executing the game plan very well. So going forward, you know, it doesn't matter what you did. It matters what you're going to do, obviously, and we'll see how that plays out. They've got the Sun Devils up. They're a 12-and-a-half-point favorite, which I thought was a little bit large considering the way Herm Edwards tries to play ball control and keep the score low, and you look at him and in 12 games in conference, he hasn't lost by more than uh, seven points, and they rarely win by more than seven points for that matter. Uh, but as I look at this team what they present, this quarterback, this Daniels kid out of the L.A. area. I think it was, uh, where is he, from Cucamonga, somewhere over there, San Bernardino. Uh, the thing that I like about him is his judicious running. He's He has the build, and you'd look at him, like, he might be a running quarterback, but he picks his spots. Obviously, that 17-yard run that he had to win the game was very impressive. He had a fourth and 14 against Michigan State right at the end, and he ran for a first down. So he's not necessarily a running quarterback quarterback who looks to run but he can run and going through Utah's defense against the offenses that they faced they really haven't faced a quarterback who was mobile or at least tried to run that much 
What do you think can be the challenges there as far as defending Daniels, who, if things break down or if he sees an alley, one of the two or both, he's capable of taking off, and they really haven't faced that yet this year? Right. I, I think you're exactly right. And Daniels has been has been very good. He, he looks like he's he hasn't been rattled. And you'd expect maybe a freshman quarterback to be rattled at times. He shows great maturity, seems pretty steady in the pocket. Uh, and even when he does have to scramble around, it, he, he, you know, he's a heads up kind of quarterback. So he seems very under control. I like the way he's, I like the way he's managed himself. And, and certainly Herm Edwards and his staff have done, have, have done a nice job with the quarterback position. And adding that, that's, that's a difficulty because adding that, Piece, the, the ability for a, a quarterback to run and to make a play with his legs, that's been something that's been challenging for Utah in the past. And if you go back to you know, Utah against both of the Arizona schools in, in the recent history with a, with a mobile quarterback and, and a good running game, that, that's presented a challenge. So I would think that Utah is going to, you know, Utah just completely dominated the line of scrimmage against Oregon State. They were disrupted at the line of scrimmage. And and we were saying this, you know, Hans and I were talking about this after the after the game is it doesn't matter what kind of offense you run. If you run a, sp- a spread option or if you run a straight option or if you run a pro style or or if you run some combination hybrid of whatever offense you run, if the defensive line is disruptive at the line of scrimmage, then it's going to be very hard for whatever offense you run to be effective. And so I think that's going to be the first key for Utah is, it, is that they have to be disruptive at the line of scrimmage and, and throw the timing off and, and force Arizona State into, into doing things that they don't want to do, forcing them out of their progressions early and forcing quarterback to run around a little bit and then you know, not letting, not letting the, the running game get started until they, you know, hit, hit the line of scrimmage. So it's all about the defensive line to me. And then the linebacker group, which has been very good so far. I really like those guys. Uh, Francis Bernard and, and Lloyd, those guys are going to have to probably play their best, technically their best game of the year. And, and, and that's because you have a mobile quarterback. That's because you have a guy that can move out of the pocket and find himself some yardage breaking out of a play that may have broken down. So, and that, that comes to, to linebackers really, really being around following, you know, spying the quarterback, following them around the field and making sure that, that you contain them at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and then, you know, the, the defensive backfield played, played really well. It was a good matchup a week ago, but they're going to have to kind of keep their, uh, keep a third eye available in, in run type support. It's, it's always difficult when you get a guy like like that, like a quarter, a mobile quarterback like that when he breaks out of the line of scrimmage because all of a sudden he's at the second level and then you have nothing but defensive backfield as your as your run support. So it's a it's a combined effort, but it starts at the line of scrimmage, disruptive at the line of scrimmage, and then a very active linebacker group this week. You know, Benjamin ran for 175 yards against the Utes last year, and he had like a 1,500-yard season. He had more yeah. weapons around him, and the defenses are probably focusing on this year. But he's still on track for a 1,000-yard season. So what level of confidence do you have him that, that he won't put up a big number this year? 
or this, against the Utes? Yeah, I well, I mean, Oregon State, and I, it's probably not the same level of competition, but Oregon State brought a pretty decent run game to to the field on yeah. Saturday evening, and they ended up with nothing. With, what did they have? Less than fifty yards rushing in that yeah. game. I mean, that was Utah only allowed a two point two yard average running in that game. So, still, Utah is still a defense that's based in stopping the run. Even with the, you know, they, they've kind of shifted from a 4-3, their traditional 4-3 to a 4-2 over the last few years. They did show a 4-3 a few times against Oregon State, and maybe, maybe they're going to do that again. But, uh, but it's, still a, it's still a defense that's based in stopping the run, and that, that's still number one on the priority board, you know, under 100 yards rushing. And and so I would expect and expect Utah to to be focused on the run game. Same 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 kind of strategy. Focus on the run game. Try to make try to make the Sun Devils one dimensional, and then contain the quarterback. Force the quarterback into making bad throws, and force the quarterback into throwing under pressure and and throwing into coverages and and things like that. So. Uh, although I like the running game, and I know that Utah was got, was damaged by that running game a year ago, I feel like this is a, a defense that will manage that running game a, a little bit better. I wouldn't be surprised to see Utah come out of this game holding Arizona State under 100 yards rushing. Frank, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. You got the Utes by more than 12 and a half? I don't think so. I think that's a pretty... I think that's a pretty healthy spread. I think I, ha- I, I have more, I have more respect for what Arizona State has done this year and the weapons that they have on, on the offensive side, and the, you know they, they you know play a little bit of defense as well. So I think twelve and a half is, I think that's a pretty healthy healthy margin. And I think PK is probably right. Like the the, ga- the game against Oregon State, although Utah played really well, that may be a combination of Utah playing really well, being on top of their game, jumping on Oregon State early, and Oregon State just kind of feeling like, well, this is going the wrong way, and then it's hard to have the same effort throughout the rest of the football game. So, so I don't know. I I, I would be surprised. Uh, I think Utah will win the game, but I would be surprised if it if it turns into the kind of a you know, a runaway like it did against Oregon State. Frank Dolce every week right here on the Zone Sports Network. Thanks, Frank. Hey, thanks, you guys. Really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Gary Anderson, Aggie head coach, is coming up in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join Scotty and Hands October 15th from noon to 3. Bright Star Wireless and Sprint, 185 West 12th Street, Sweet C in Ogden. Customers that visit will receive a free liquid screen protector for your Android or Apple device while supplies last. Question of the morning. Utah's flying high, BYU's in the dumps, and Utah State has to find a way to beat Boise State. What else is there to say?
Doesn't that boil it down? To its essence? Yeah. I mean, if Utah State can't beat Nevada, well, then they're not going to worry about Boise State. But if you beat Nevada... You still got to beat Boise State. And And they are 22-point favorites over Nevada. Yeah. So, I'm assuming they're going to beat Nevada and beat CSU Wyoming, blah, blah, blah. But you got to beat Boise State. That's the game. They're your nemesis. Every time, every year, in your division especially, and obviously in the conference, it goes through Boise. Literally or in Logan through the team. That's just the way it is. They're that good of a program and have been for a number of years through many different coaching changes. And so that's that. And for the Cougars, they're 2-4, and four, man. They got another backup quarterback going. They're snake bit. They're injured. They don't have depth. They don't have talent on the defense to stop runs. And people are screaming for Kalani's head and the Utes. These are the best of times. The, a contender in the South, and you're favored by two touchdowns. That is about <laughs> as much respect as you're ever going to get. Well, what about three touchdowns? Well, then that team can't would have really to be really be crappy. Yeah, you can't really be a contender at that right. point. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or you'd have to be like the Alabama of the West. Yeah, I like yeah okay. And we're no longer early season. You know, this is midseason, obviously. These teams have played three conference games. You still have six to go, the way it sets up. So we're only a third of the way through the conference season. Hence the middle third of the conference season. But you can argue that the Devils are a contender. I mean, they're one of three teams in the conference that, quote, control their own destiny. The two Arizonas and Oregon are the only two teams, only three teams, who don't need anything else to happen. Unless I did the math wrong. Those are the three teams that I've come up with. Am I missing someone? Uh, USC. Okay, SC. Put them in there. Yeah. Because uh, if they went out, they'd have the tiebreaker on the Utes. They'd beat Arizona yeah. and Arizona State. So. If, yeah. The Utes, even though they're the heavy favorites, still need help. But that seems inevitable. That SC is going to lose. So I was very impressed with Slovis Saturday night. There's no question about it. A uh, very controversial roughing the passer call that went against SC in that ball game led to a field goal, which ended up being the winning margin. SC is not a bad football team by any stretch. I don't know that Clay Hilton's going to survive because playing Notre Dame close doesn't cut it, but they're still a pretty good football team. Uh, so you've got those teams there, but yet Utah. It's just looking at them. At least the odds makers are looking at them and saying, "What?" <laughs> This team here isn't supposed to come into town and compete. That's a huge margin. That's a lack of respect on half of ASU, but I actually think it's a way more respect for the Utes. I think that's why that margin is that big. It says it something to me that says all about Utah. This, these are the best of times right now. Wallow in it. I'd be very confident if I was a Ute fan this morning. Ute fans, are you really that confident? Why wouldn't they be? Who knows? People are funny. And sometimes you want to lower <laughs> the expectations to cushion against the defeat. Or maybe you're just dismissing the game saying, ah, Oregon State, they're not all that. 
I'm not, I, maybe it's, I couldn't care maybe it's just Oregon not State. confident against ASU because ASU's had their number and beat them two years in a row and six out of eight. Well, in the last four, they're two and two. So how many? What? What do? You, how do you want to manipulate the numbers? Uh, Every way you want to manipulate them. <laughs> and you know, two of those wins and six were literally by one point, and blah. But one was in overtime. Blah 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 blah. So I mean, manipulate them any way you want, and. On Saturday at 4 o'clock, none of those numbers mean anything. Scott says, someone forgot to tell the BYU fans that much fasting and prayer is required every week, not just the week you play USC. And as for my youths, I dive deep into the teachings of Walter Cronkite's School of Modern Day Journalism for how I feel. I am skeptically optimistic. I want to see him play PK Sun Devils before I start flying high. Vegas isn't skeptically optimistic. The people who have money on the line, whose businesses, whose livelihood, they're not skeptical. You can be skeptical all you want because you're a fan. But the people who matter, who put the money down and the livelihood of that, they're not skeptical at all. If you're favored by 12 and a half points, you're expected to win. Gary Anderson, Utah State football coach, is coming up at 8.30. So we got an open segment next. We can open the phones, 855-340-ZONE. You can hit us up on the app. Hit us with your takes. The Utes are flying high. The Cougars are in the dumps. And the Aggies have to find a way to beat the Broncos. What else is there to say? We'll get to that next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.